Hello and welcome to Falmouth Vineyard's audio podcast. We're really grateful that you're joining us today. Our vision is to see Cornwall coming alive through the hope and freedom that Jesus brings. To find out more about who we are or how to connect with us, visit falmouthvineyard.org. We'd love to hear from you. It's nice to be here. I drove between the two roundabouts for nearly half an hour, trying to work out where to turn off. So in the end, I went to... Highway. Highway. <laughs> and asked them. It's like starting confession time. Did anyone else? Yeah. Um, great to have you with us again. So last time we did this, I think we did it on Zoom. Much easier. I didn't have to get lost. You didn't have to get lost, yeah. We'll edit out all the... No. Um, and we... It was this time last year. Is it really? Maybe March last Mother's year. Day. Mother's Day, wasn't it? March last year, yeah. Mother's Day. And so um, we had a staff meeting, and I was like, so who should we get back in to speak? And they all like, we should get your mum back in. The wisdom back in the room. So I was like, I'm sure she will come to us all the way from sunny Helston. Do you want to just introduce yourself? Would that be okay? What are you up to at the moment? Oh. Lots of things. I belong to an organisation called Know Your Bible, which is um, in Australia. The headquarters are in Australia, and um, they provide Bible study notes for groups. And um, I was on the leadership team in the UK, which meant I had to go to Australia once a year. And when my time was up, I thought, oh, that's really good. No more travelling backwards and forwards to Australia. And then they said, would you head up the team in Australia? And I thought, oh, Lord. I thought I was, this was it, you know, my travelling days were over. And I thought, I need to come to Australia twice a year. <laughs> That's just, you know, at my age, just, well. So I said to the Lord, well, Lord, if it's something you want me to do, then you will deal with the travel. Well, we've had a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> It's your fault. <laughs> I haven't been at all. But we have now meet on Zoom every month, and it's been amazing. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm hoping to really go back once more before my term is up, but certainly haven't been back twice a year. I just meet with a group of people, usually at half past six in the morning, because that's their evening. And you've done some crazy early ones as well, haven't you? Some crazy early ones. If I need to speak during working hours, then it's the middle of the night. So, yeah, it's been, it's been quite full on, actually. I feel like, so what does retirement look like now? Just, yeah. So, yeah, my mum works literally every hour of the day, and when she can, travels to Australia to chair meetings. Um, do you want to give us a little bit of, oh, I've got enough time, very quick history, how you came to be in Cornwall? Well, um, we weren't Christians. We went to a church, but and my husband was a deacon in the church, but we knew nothing really about salvation. We just went to church, and because you were sitting on a pew, that was okay, you were a Christian. And then um, we had our daughter Ruth, and <clears throat> my health wasn't really very good. We lived in a road where a car blew up opposite, and there was a brothel just up the road, and it was quite, quite tense, really. And um, we wanted to come to Cornwall, and David eventually went to see the welfare officer where he, he worked, and we were in Cornwall within a week. 
And then David went to um, a local church, which was, well, just a local church, <coughs> and was asked to teach in the Sunday school. And of course he said yes, and he suddenly realised that all these kids in the Sunday school knew more than he did. So he asked, where did they know what they knew? And so he went to the church that they went to, and then <coughs> I didn't. I had a baby to look after. I had so much to do, I couldn't possibly go. And a lady knocked, we'd moved into our own house by this time, and a lady knocked on my door one day, and she said, oh, it's lovely to see David at church, but we never see you. So I said, well, I said, I've got the baby to look after, I've got to get David's dinner, I've got the washing to do, I haven't got any time to come to church. And you know, all she said to me was, if you wanted to, you'd find a way. All she said, and she said, it's lovely to meet you, and off she went. And those words went in deep, and I thought, she's right. I thought, I'll show you. Not because I thought, well, I'm convicted I ought to go, but really, I'll show you I can do this. <laughs> so, so I started to go, and um, <clears throat> David was converted first, and then I was converted. But there's only one thing I would say about that. If you have a partner that isn't converted, it is very, very difficult because you have changed. He had changed out of all recognition. You know, he used to get up early and I could hear him praying downstairs. And then when he said he was going to be baptised, I remember thinking, oh my goodness me, what's going to happen to him now? He's changed so much already, I just really can't cope with this, you know. And I sat in the service crying. And some poor soul said to me, do you want to be baptised too? And I thought, if you knew what I was thinking, you would not be saying that to me, because I was thinking, oh. Didn't he? He got baptised on a whim, didn't he? he it, was an Easter, it was an Easter Sunday, and we were just sitting after the service. It was a baptismal service. I felt very relaxed, and they said, would anyone else like to be baptised? And up he got. <laughs> and I thought, oh. Dear me. And when he went down into the water, he was wearing his trousers and his shirt. And I'm thinking, he's going to drip all the way home. He will be soaked. <laughs> well, unbeknown to me, the pastor had anticipated that David might go forward and he'd taken spare clothes. So it wasn't his clothes he had on, but the pastor's. Love it. Love it. So... You've got prior warning, 8th of May, baptisms. Absolutely. Bring some clothes to change into, or a wetsuit, you can do that. So, Mum. Or go in your clothes. I talked to you about our series we are doing on rhythms yes. and spiritual disciplines. And I said to you, what would be an important spiritual discipline in your life, or what is God stirring in your heart at the moment? Do you, want to, do you want us to let us know what's... Well, I said to Nathan, one of the things throughout my Christian life that has been very, very important is the way we think. So I, I see the mind as such an important thing. It's an important thing if you're not a Christian. But if you're a Christian, then you're to be conformed not to the world's pattern, but to God's pattern. And so the way you think actually affects the way you behave. It affects the, your further thinking. So for me, that is a really, really important thing and not only the way you think but the way you control what you think so it's not the, just the thinking but it's controlling the thinking did you want to go through your verse first yeah we'll go to the first so, so we're going to start have you got your bibles with you or a phone that you can get your bible pretty quick we're going to jump into romans 
chapter 12, verse 2. And then we're just going to go through some verses to help us in this kind of discussion. And I never mind if people ask me a question. I used to do um, assemblies. And one day in an assembly, a little boy put up his hand. And I just said, yes. He said, don't believe a word of it. believe a word. I said, that's okay. And the headmistress said to me afterwards, I didn't know what he was going to say, she said, because he's come from all sorts of schools and we've just taken him. I thought you could have got a mouthful of abuse. Right, he just said, don't I'm, believe a word. I'm looking around. I think we'll be all right. You're right. I was going to say, don't believe a word. <laughs> so Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, do not conform any longer, in, oh, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. It's very interesting, isn't it? That verse says, do not conform any longer. And the truth is that when we're converted, we're already conforming to the pattern of the world. We're already in that pattern. And actually, we've got to get out of that pattern. We've got to change. And there is so much now in the world and sometimes in the church, that is so contrary to God's word that we actually need to know what God says so that we don't conform to the pattern of the world. So it says, don't conform. You have been conforming. Don't conform any longer to this, the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be changed. Where are you going to be changed? You're going to be changed in your thinking as your thinking is renewed. Now, how's your thinking going to be renewed? It's not going to be renewed by just sitting thinking about the way you're feeling, by thinking about your, your woes or your life or your church or your job or your family. All those things can occupy us, but thinking or feeling about those things is not going to transform you. Neither is it going to transform you by being a very, very active and busy person. It's nice to be busy, and God says, yes, we need to have feelings, and he says, yes, we need to be busy people, but those things on their own are not going to change us, because it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so the transformation we need to have is not to say, how do I feel, or what shall I do, but what is true and what does God's word say? So it's like taking everything back to the word of God. To be, but to be able to take everything back to the word of God, you actually need to know what God's word says. Mm. It's not going to just spring up at you, but you need to know what it says. Mm. Amazing. Um, then into the next one, yeah? So now yeah. we're going to jump to John chapter 14, verse 1. Skip back into the Gospels. Where... Jesus says this, John 14, verse 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. This is in the context of Jesus comforting his disciples just after he's washed their feet, just after Jesus predicts Peter's denial. Knowing what's just about to happen at Easter, all of these events, Jesus turns to them and says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Jesus doesn't say to the disciples, <clears throat> your hearts aren't going to be troubled. He says, don't let 
your hearts be troubled. So naturally, which all that was going on in their lives, they naturally would be troubled. But he says, don't let that happen to you. You have control over your mind. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And he goes on to say to them, trust in God, trust also in me. That's where their minds got to go. That's where their thinking's got to go. Not with the trouble that they know they're anticipating, but to go to God, to go to his word and be fed by that. And Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe what I'm saying. I'm actually going to prepare a place for you. And not only am I going to prepare a place for you, but one day I'm actually coming back and I'm going to take you to be with me. Is that what is guiding you and guiding me at the moment? This reality that one day Jesus is coming back and he is going to take me to be with him. I'll go on. Then. You want to go on? I'll go on. So can you imagine what it was like for the disciples? Jesus had told them he was going away. He told them he was going to die. They didn't have little notebooks and pencils tucked away in their pockets so they could jot down all that he was saying. Jesus gave them instructions. He gave them promises. He gave them encouragements. He gave them commands. And I can imagine them thinking, I'll never remember it all. Have you been somewhere and you thought, oh, I wish I could remember all this. I'll never remember it all. They had no means of recording it. Although I somehow think that without all the technology that we have got, that they probably had minds that actually soaked in far, far more than we do because we've got all these other things that are coming at us all the time. So I think they probably did remember things a lot more. But Jesus, having told them he's going away, if it was me, I'd be frantically trying to remember it all. But what does Jesus tell them? In John 14, verse 26. Oh. You want to read that one? Yep. I've gone to the wrong one, sorry. It says, but the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. <coughs> what a relief. What a relief. Did they understand it? What was going to happen? I doubt it. But Jesus was telling them that the Holy Spirit was going to come and he would remind them of all that Jesus had said to them. How do you think the Gospels were written? They're a collection of memories of different people. That's why when you look at the Gospels, you sometimes have people say, oh, well, they can't be true because they're all different. Some say something about a story and some say something else. Well, of course because they're recollecting what they saw and what they heard. And you and I could be in the same place and actually we would have different memories. That doesn't make it wrong. It actually adds to its authenticity. So that is what was going to happen. The Holy Spirit was going to come and remind them of all that Jesus has said. Why is that important to us? Why do I emphasise that? Why do I think that's important? And it's important because that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does for us. He reminds us from preachers, teachers, and from the word of God. He reminds us of all that we've heard. Now, sometimes you and I don't remember what we've read, because sometimes I think it goes in with me in it one ear and out the other. But do you know, it has gone in, and the Holy Spirit can bring 
those verses back to your mind. And I remember years and years and years ago when we'd first moved to Helston, going to a prayer meeting. It was a very holy prayer meeting. And in the prayer meeting, so many of the people said, Lord, we love you, Lord. And it was going on and on. I came away thinking, I don't think I love God. I really don't think I love God because I'm not that sort of person. I can't. And I still don't stand in a prayer meeting saying, Lord, I love you. And I know people do, and that's absolutely fine. And I got home feeling so distressed and threw myself down by the bed and said, Lord, I don't think I love you. I can't say the things they say. And, you know, a verse came into my mind. And this must have been 30-something years ago. And this is the verse, and it's in 1 John, but I can't remember exactly where it says, by this you know that you love me. And this is probably AV language. By this you know that you love me because you keep my commands and they're not a burden to you. I thought, yes, those people were saying it, and that was fine, and I don't cast doubt on any of them. But what mattered was the life they lived. So the fact that, yes, I delighted to please God, and pleasing God wasn't a burden to me. And that's one of the ways that God brings back his words to you. And so it's so important. I can't emphasize enough how important it is to know the word of God. I can remember years after that when I had a virtual breakdown and feeling so ill and thinking. And in those days, they used to say, oh, they'll take you to Bodmin because that's where the mental health hospital was. And I remember it was quite a thing. Oh, dear, supposing that happened to me. How disgraceful that as a Christian that should happen. It was in the days that Christians, if they had mental health issues they never said a word about it because it was like you you couldn't possibly be trusting god you know you're doing it on your own you can't be christian and be going through that and in the middle of the night this verse came to me i never will leave you i never will forsake you and in that moment i knew perhaps yes i did need to go for help i didn't in the end but I might have ended up in hospital. I didn't know. Jesus wasn't going to be ashamed of me. Mm. Leave me at the door and say, I'll meet you when you come out. Mm. No. He was going to be with me in it every step of the way. And so hide God's word. We need to hide God's word in our hearts so that God can bring his word back to us. It's so so important. Don't wait for the day that trouble comes upon you. Don't wait till you've got difficulties and then start opening your Bible to try and see what God says about it. Because you know, sometimes when we're in really difficult circumstances, the thing that's most hardest to do is to open our Bible. But actually God can speak to us and minister to us in our need, even if we aren't opening the Bible. Why? because we've hidden his word in our hearts. <clears throat> this isn't on there, sorry. <laughs> it strikes me, and I think growing up in the, the house as we did, yours and dad's Bibles were always nearby. Yours generally was on the sofa in the lounge. Dad's was wherever Tatty he was. was. Tatty, well worn. Give us some top tips on developing this kind of rhythm of like diving into the word? Have we got anything that can, do you know what I mean? 
If it's hard, find a place that is your place at home, a place where you can always go, your chair, where you can have your pile of books beside you. And sometimes if you're finding it hard, start by singing or just looking at some songs which or reading something else spiritual that actually helps you because sometimes it's just very hard to just dive in but just develop that love for God's word and you know I often think of it this way if you go on a diet eventually your hunger goes and if you go on a diet spiritually eventually you're not hungry for God's word but all you need to do is to step out and start reading and looking and studying. I used to love, as a young Christian, I still do, um, taking a verse and then looking at the, all the cross-references and reading all the cross-references that go with the verse. And you'd be surprised what a full picture that that gives you. Um, but just, yeah, delve in and, and don't think, oh, well, it doesn't matter because actually you're going backwards if you're not reading God's word because your mind isn't fresh. It's not soaking it in. So find a place that you can go, leave your books out, go to that place. It might not be at home. You might need to go and sit on a cliff. There's no, you know, right and wrong to it, but just find a place. Brilliant. Is that right? Yeah, perfect. Um, into John, John 16? Yes. John 16, 32. But a time is coming and has come, says Jesus again, when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I've told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In the era that I was converted, <clears throat> some people, there was a song, and I can't think of it now, but... Um, hmm. It just said, you know, it was like when you come to Jesus, then like, oh, it's life is wonderful. Yes, it's wonderful. Life is wonderful now to me. I met Jesus and he changed everything. Life is wonderful now. I don't suppose any of you know it because you're all too young. <laughs> but it was quite a, quite a modern one in those days in the <laughs> 70s. You know, you can get the wrong impression of the Christian life. It's wonderful because we know Jesus, but Jesus does not say it's all going to be easy. And in fact, he actually said to his disciples, you will leave me all alone. You will be scattered each to his own home. I've told you these things so that in me you can have peace. I've told you these things because they're going to happen. Without a doubt, they're going to happen. But remember that I've warned you that they're going to happen. But your peace comes from knowing me. So Jesus doesn't promise us an easy life. And it's often in the hard times that we learn more. But life is not easy. But Jesus, and that's why you need to take and know the word of God and have it in your mind so that you can take the things you're feeling, take the things you're ha that are happening to you and just look at them against the bar of God's word. Now, I didn't have an easy childhood, not even remotely. But I remember as a young Christian reading the story of Joseph and getting the, to the end of the story where his brothers thought that he was going to kill them now because, you know, his dad was dead. And so, well, he would have his, what, you know, he would, he would punish them for what they'd done to him. And Joseph said to these brothers, 
you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And I think it goes on to talk about the saving of many people. Joseph went through things in his life that he wasn't responsible for, he hadn't caused, they happened to him, he was put in prison for something, he didn't do all those things. And the butler or baker, whichever one got out, you know, they didn't say that he'd given the interpretation of the dream, all those things. But at the end of it, he could say, you might have meant it for evil, which they did, but I think my troubles in my childhood were not meant for evil, it was just the way things were in those days. But God meant it for good. And if you can look back in your mind, instead of getting, letting your past absolutely affect your present, which is what it can do, you can be blighted the whole of your life by things that have happened. But if you can think, God has a purpose in this. I am the person I am today, partly because of my upbringing partly because of the not-so-good things that happened to me. You know, and so if you can think like that, you know, that, that verse which people quote at you when times are tough and it's, you want to throttle them, all things work together for good to those that love God and accord according to his purpose. It's true. But sometimes if you're in a difficult time, you don't need to be told that. It's okay if God whispers it to you. But it's true. And if we in our lives can think, it's, actually, I've not talked much about controlling your mind, have I? Time's up, I think. Um, but if you can um, take the scripture and apply it to your circumstances, and even if you don't feel it, you know that somehow on this journey it's working for good. And I've got five children and 17, umpteen grandchildren, and I have to do that for their lives. I think God has a good purpose in it. I might not understand what's happening, but I can trust God for them. And one thing else comes to mind, I remember as a young Christian um, having to have some sort of investigation and really being worried that I was going to be taken from my children. And I can remember praying and thinking or realising, actually, I love my children so much, but God actually loves them more. Mm. And thinking and kneeling down and giving Physically, I mean, they weren't in the room, but their names, one by one, giving them to God and saying, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm giving these little children to you, knowing that you actually love them far more than I do, and I can trust you with them. How much time we got? I think you've gone. Three? Keep going. One more? One more. Anxiety. Mm. We're in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, where Jesus is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, um, well, your translation is, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Which is, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? In the NIV. Yeah. And Matthew, which one was that? That was 27. And then, thir- Matthew, yeah, Matthew 6, 32 says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its trouble. Now, do you think that? Do you live like that? Do I live like that? Think, right, this is the day I'm in. Don't worry about tomorrow. <clears throat> because that's what scripture says. Don't worry about tomorrow. Actually, because you're not there. 
And I read a book years ago by a man called Neil Starkey, and I've been sitting here trying to remember what it was called, but it's gone from my mind. But his, he talked, one of the parts that I never forgot was he talked about every day having a joy of its own. Every day has a joy. And he said, if in your life you're looking back to yesterday, to all the things you've wished you'd done that you didn't do, or all the situations you got into that you wished you hadn't have done, or all the mistakes you made, if you're looking back like that, actually you're missing the joy of today. But also, if you're looking forward to tomorrow, about what might happen that hasn't happened yet, the, the outcome of a certain situation and what you think it might end up like, if you're doing all that and worrying about it and all that sort of thing, there's nothing, and I'm not saying you shouldn't plan for tomorrow, because yes, you should. But if you're looking forward in a way that's anxious about tomorrow, then actually, again, you're losing the joy of today. And it's at those times when you have to physically keep your mind. So the thoughts come and you have to say to yourself, actually, I'm not going there. I am not going to allow myself to think about that. And I tend to put on Christian songs so I can sing along with the songs and get my mind off of my train of thought. Because the Bible says, you know, you're not going to add an inch to your height by worrying about it. You're not going to change it. God knows it all. So why worry about it? And sometimes, and I had this situation in my life, which was very, very difficult, where actually I could only take one hour at a time. I couldn't actually go to the next hour. I literally had to stick with the hour I was in and control my mind because I had three little children that I was looking after and I couldn't think of what was happening elsewhere because that was sufficient to be looking after them. And if I was thinking about what might happen or what was happening, I couldn't do what I was supposed to be doing. <coughs> but that does take, and this is what we need to do, we need to control our thinking, not let our minds go all over the place, because actually, it doesn't help us at all. Got one more for you. Final thought? Final thought. So we are in a pandemic no, we're just coming out, we hope, of a pandemic, but we've gone from one crisis to another, haven't we? Because we've gone from Ukraine, the, the pandemic, to the war in U Ukraine. There are many people dying, people are leaving home to protect themselves, becoming refugees, all sorts of things. And just on another score, Christians all over the world are losing their lives for their faith daily. So how are we to think today about these things? And, you know, you do hear people say to them, I think we are in the end times. Well, the truth is, yes, we are. We've actually been in the end times for 2,000 years since Jesus came. We are in the end times. And the disciples in Matthew 24, verse 3 says, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And part of Jesus' reply to them was, you will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. So he told his disciples that. But do you know what else did he say to him? What were the last words of Jesus to his disciples? They were, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So whenever the age is coming, the end of it, 
Jesus promises that he's going to be with us. But what are we to take from these things? The first thing is we should never be surprised at world situations. The second thing is we don't know when the end is coming. But the third and most important thing is we have got a job to do. So we have got a job to do whenever the end is. And what was, did Jesus say to his disciples? Go and make disciples of all nations. That in this time of pandemic and this time of war, that must be our aim is to go and make disciples, knowing that Jesus promises, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Boom, there it is. Do you want to stand? That'd be okay. Mum, are you okay to pray for us? Oh, yes. I think if you pray for us, and then we'll probably have to, some of us have to collect kids from kindling and sparklers, wildfires will come back. And then I think if anyone wants prayer, just come down to the front and we'll, we'll work it out down here. Would that be all right? Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. Lord, your word gives us all that we need to live godly lives because that's what it tells us. We thank you, Lord, for all your promises. And Lord, I pray that we may be able to guard our minds in the things we see, the things we read, the things we hear. And Lord, bring everything captive to the Lord Jesus. Lord, help us. You, Lord, are able to do all things. So help us in our lives to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Then, Lord, we can see clearly what's going on around us. We can see clearly what you're doing and we can be at the centre of your will. So help us, I do pray, for your glory, Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you, Mum. All right.